The Gospels of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, present an interesting and instructive balance between the specific things that Jesus taught and things which he did. In the closing of John's Gospel, he identifies that Jesus did many things which are not written. He was talking about the book of John, but you could include all four of the accounts and it would be the same conclusion. And he said, if all the things Jesus did could be written in a book, the world couldn't contain the books. So when we read something that Jesus did in the gospels, there's a lesson to be learned from that episode in what he did. It is no surprise that the lesson I'll be reading this morning has been often quoted, often read, often preached as a favorite of believers in the struggles and storms of life. Let me read first from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? With very little variation, you'll find this account recorded in Matthew chapter 8 and in Luke chapter 8. In the record here, Jesus responds to the disciples with, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? In Matthew, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? And in Luke, where is your faith? So, no faith, Little faith, where is your faith? Seems to be the variation in the three accounts. I'll primarily focus on the experiential side of life and the application of this lesson this morning, but I want to just offer this basic doctrinal thought. If eternal salvation occurs by our faith, and Jesus says, you have no faith. Were these men saved or were they not saved? 
they're his disciples. They believed in him sufficiently that they abandoned their career to follow him. Did that require faith? Of course it did. There's a sad misconception of faith in modern Christianity that contradicts the very basic premise of faith that is, that is taught in Scripture. We'll look at that, Lord willing, as we go through this lesson. We would expect the multitudes that followed Jesus that occasionally came to hear him to have questions about who he was. But his own disciples, that really raises the, our attention and is good reason for the lesson to appear in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. The Sea of Galilee is located about 700 feet below sea level. On the eastern side, it was bordered by a mountain range with very deep ravines coming down to the sea so that the wind blowing down those ravines and building high velocity would create very fierce and very sudden unexpected storms on the sea. In chapter 2, beginning of the chapter, we read that Jesus was locating himself and his teaching and ministry at this time in Capernaum. The region of Capernaum and the city of Capernaum are located on the northwestern quadrant of the Sea of Galilee. From the other accounts, we read that when they left Capernaum, which is up here on the northwestern side of the sea, they traveled to Gennesaret, which is on the, west, on the eastern side and down. So they were sailing in a southeasterly diagonal across the sea. The Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles from top to bottom, and at its widest point, about eight miles wide. These men are professional fishermen. I would suspect that most of their time in boats would have been spent on the waters closer to the western side of the Sea of Galilee, where they would just go out far enough to find fish, catch them, and go back to port. But if they wanted to travel to the other side, they would, they would get in their boats and sail across. So these men are familiar and comfortable with water and with sailing. And it is these professional sailors who look around them and push the panic button. The description, it's a great wind. This is verse 37. It's a great storm of wind. There's one of those ravines and the wind blows down with a great rush. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. This is not a, a cruise liner. This is a fishing ship capable of sailing with 12 or 14 people without a problem. But you put that many people in this boat and fill it with water, these men know the danger is real. This is not imagined or, or hyperbole. They are facing a real danger. 
of that ship being swamped with the water and going down, and they're in the middle of the sea. You can't swim to shore in any direction. They're going to drown. Where's Jesus? Just a passing thought. I'd rather be in a ship that I think is sinking with Jesus than be in a cruise liner without him. <laughs> and I'd rather be in the ship with Jesus than to be in any other position leaving that ship. They've seen Jesus cast out demons, something unheard of in their lifetime. They've seen him heal people of sicknesses that they believe to be incurable. And they marveled at this. But to control the weather and nature, that's a big leap. And they're not prepared for that to happen. And yet it does. We may like those men. They can teach us so much if we will be receptive to the lesson. It's easy to think about miracles for someone else. I can easily grasp a miracle for you or for you or for you, but for me, why? I believe almost 50 years ago, Sandra experienced a true miracle. We saw an x-ray. A doctor showed us of a cancerous tumor that covered most of her chest cavity. It was intertwined around vital organs. They sent her home after every treatment they could give her with the prognosis, metastatic stage four. You know what stage four cancer means? Get your house in order. You'll probably not be here a year from now. Three months later, she went in for another x-ray. We go to see the doctor who's treating her. He gives her this pep talk when, you know, Sandra's from Texas, but she has a little show me state, you know, I don't believe it unless you show it to me attitude. And he stopped and he said, you don't believe anything I'm saying, do you? And she said, why should I? He said, I want to show you why. He goes out of the room, brings in another set of x-rays. First x-ray, here's the x-ray we, we took and saw your tumor three months ago. You see it? It was frightening. It was so big. And then he popped the other x-ray on the screen. He said, here's the x-ray from last week. Show me the tumor. There was no sign of it. How has Sandra reacted after almost 50 years and experiencing that, that miracle? Why me? What's so special about me? Why would God be so gracious to me? She still raises that question today. It's easy to think about miracles for others, but it's hard to think about them for us, right? These men have seen the miracles. They believe them. I, I think their problem appears in their post-reaction to the event. What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him. They viewed him, no doubt, as a man of God, as an amazing man of God. But they had not fully embraced the real truth that he was not just a man, but he was God in human flesh. 
The angel speaking to Mary in Luke's account of that interview said that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Son of often in scripture identifies not a birth process or a second generation within a family, but someone of the same nature. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. A.T. Robertson, an acknowledged New Testament Greek scholar, identifies that the Greek word translated with God literally means face to face as equals. The word in the beginning stood face to face equal with God. The very next expression John writes proves the point, and the word was God. On a brief moment, at least, when Jesus asked the disciples, whom do you say that I am? Peter gave the right answer. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You're in human flesh, you're the Christ, the Messiah, but you're God in human flesh. But they didn't, they could grasp it for that up moment, but it didn't sink deep. In Jesus' final personal farewell and message to the disciples, beginning in John chapter 14, this is in verse 1, he says to these now 11 of the 12 men, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. What's the next expression? Believe also in me. They believed in, in him as a man of God, a prophet. They believed in him enough to abandon their career. Stephen, are you willing to give your notice to Lockheed next week and abandon your career for your faith? Barry, how about you? <laughs> well, maybe, you know. Lord, can we compromise? Right? So don't be too hard on these men. They had enough faith to do that, and we probably would not. So don't be too hard on them. But they teach us something about us that we need to know about us. They didn't need to stop at believing Jesus was a man of God. They needed, even after three and a half years of teaching, to let that truth sink deep into the core of their being. He is God in human flesh. What manner of man is this that the wind and the waves obey him? Disciples, hear me. He's not just a man. That's why he created the wind and the waves. He can control them. They don't get it yet, do they? They're struggling. They're trying, but they're not there. Verse 40. Well, let's, let's before we, let's, just a moment in verse 39. He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. We have the ocean here. Remember when, when a, a, a storm comes across the ocean off the coast of California? For several days, the larger than normal waves from the storm will beat against the shore. 
The storm is over, but the waves keep coming. When, when water is churned and the waves are created, you can stop the wind, but the waves will continue. So if Jesus stops the wind like this, nature would keep the waves going for some period of time, even in the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus not only said to the wind, stop, but to the waves, peace be still. And immediately there was a calm. We saw that in the hymn we sang in closing. We see it in the text of scripture that records the event. He controls nature. He can stop the wind in its tracks. He can speak to the water and no more waves. It's as as peaceful and still as a mirror, even though a second ago it was churning and threatening to swamp and overthrow and drown the men in in the boat. He spoke and it obeyed. The winds and the waves obey thy will. They're afraid and they have good reason to be afraid. In verse 40, he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? I read from Matthew, O ye of little faith, And the probing question that Luke gives us, where is your faith? In a nice way, he's saying, your faith is not in me. Where is it? What would we have to answer if we were to ask that question today? Where is your faith? Is your faith in your faith or is your faith in Jesus? Is your faith in circumstance? In your own ingenuity, or is your faith in Jesus? And finally, in verse 41, for these poor men, they feared exceedingly. One of my favorite go-to New Testament Greek dictionaries by Lau and Nita defined the Greek word feared exceedingly, the maximum or the peak of, of, of degree. They were afraid of the sea. But when they saw the miracle, they had greater fear of Jesus than they had of the sea. We're following him. We're in the boat with him. And he has more power than the storm has. What next? We can't control him. I dearly love a quote from Chronicles of Narnia. When the children are learning about Aslan the lion, who in Lewis's depiction and symbolism of the story is a depiction of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. They see Aslan depicted as a lion some distance away. And they ask their guide, is he a tame lion? In other words, can I put a leash on him and lead him around? And can I pet him and give him a carrot or a piece of steak? The guide wisely answers the question. He is not tame, but he is safe. Think about that. He's not tame. You can't put him on a leash and make him do tricks for you and be your pet lion, but he's safe. He is safe to trust. Whether it's biblical faith or logical faith, faith must be based on knowledge. 
I've known Sandra for over 60 years. Because I know her, I trust her. Trust and faith are synonymous. If I met a stranger whose name was Sandra, I wouldn't have the same faith in that person that I have in Sandra because I don't know that person. You have to know enough about a person and that person's character and that person's conduct under pressure to know they are trustworthy before you can have faith in them. That's why scripture teaches that eternal life given by the Spirit of God in the manner in which the wind blows where it pleases must come first. After new birth, after we have spiritual life, we begin to experience God. And as we experience God in our life, we realize the character of God and we grow to trust Him. To the disciples, you've known me for long enough to believe in me and to give up your career. Something some of you professional folks wouldn't do, right? So they, they have a pretty high degree of trust and safe confidence in Jesus. But when they're in a boat about to sink in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, it's shaken. What now? There's no escape. Master, why? Don't you care? That we perish? You're in the boat with us. If we go down, so do you. Does that sound a lot like one of us when trials and troubles and pains and difficulties come into our life? Where is God when I need him? Hmm? Doesn't it kind of sound like those fishermen asking Jesus, don't you care that I perish? Don't you care that somebody misunderstood me and said or did something cruel and wrong to me? Don't you care that I just got my notice from my career job and I have to start from scratch? Don't you care about the note, the information the doctor just gave me that said I'm facing a terminal disease? Don't you care? And Jesus' answer is the same. Where's your faith now? It should be right where it was when the sun was shining and there were no storms. But sometimes those kind of storms, even in the things we most trust and we're most comfortable with in life, are the very things that crash in upon us and give us our greatest fear. In my professional career, my lowest moment, my greatest disappointment occurred in an area where I felt most comfortable. And that's why it shook me so much. I had, I, it, it took time to get over that one. It was a big shake. That's the pattern here. But I confess, I was too much like the, these men and not as much as I needed to be like the example of Jesus. Joe, where's your faith now? 
And I had to look in the mirror and say, Joe, oh, you have little faith. Have you been there? I think if we're honest, we all have, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But when we, instead of looking at the pain, the storm, the disease, whatever, the disappointment, whenever we look at not just the man who's asleep in the back of the boat, instead of looking at the storm, there's peace. All the storms of life. I don't know what your storms are. You each have your own storms. I grant that. I fully understand that. I have mine. But the lesson we need from this wonderful experience in Scripture is when that storm is closing in and it seems there is no good answer or outcome. Don't forget. Number one, he's in the boat with you. Number two, he's bigger than any storm you ever had or ever will have. He's able to take care of that storm and take care of you in the storm. He can do it far better than anyone can. I'd rather have Jesus asleep in the storm with me in the boat than to be in any boat without him there with me. There's a reminder of sorts in the 107th Psalm. There's a repeating refrain in Psalm 107. You see it first, I believe, in verse 8, and it's repeated every, every few verses throughout the psalm. He describes various experiences of the people of God. And after seeing the trial, the pain, the fear that they are experiencing, then he records their deliverance by the hand of God and concludes, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's where we need to be today. Even when the storm's going on, we can trust Jesus. Whatever the result of the storm, he will not abandon you in your storm. Beginning in verse 23 and reading through verse 32, David records the experience of professional sailors, fishermen or whatever, in the sea. They get caught like these disciples in a storm. It's a storm beyond any storm they've ever seen. They don't expect to survive. They, verse 27, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. <laughs> Has any trouble ever come your way that puts you at your wit's end? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. How does he do that? He maketh the storm a calm. Does that sound familiar? These disciples should have been reading this all their lives so that the waves thereof are still almost an anticipation prophetically of exactly what Jesus did. 
Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. They land safely in port. No surprise, after the experience of the storm, you really end up safe at the harbor you sailed for in the beginning. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I don't know your storm, but you do. It can be all kinds of things in your life. Storms are not fun. They're not pleasant. But please, whatever your storm, don't always look forward and see wind and waves. Pause and look behind you to see who's in the boat with you. Look at him more than you look outside. How do we react when our storms come? We have enough faith. We have made the necessary sacrifices to be here today. We have enough faith that we talk to people about the Lord and our love for him. How about when the storm is really fierce in your life? How does it go then? Not easy, is it? Not easy. Some things we can learn from this lesson. Stay in the ship with Jesus. You don't do that by emotion. Some people think today, and it seems to be a common thing among evangelical and other Christians today, that I can believe anything I want, I can do anything I wish in life, but if I emotionally say I'm with Jesus and go to church on Sunday, you're with Jesus. No, staying with Jesus in the boat means knowing and living what he teaches us to do and how he teaches us to live, whether calm or storm. Stay in the boat with Jesus. It's easy to want to abandon ship when storms are around us. The Hebrews, the whole book is written to Jewish Christians who had abandoned the synagogue. But when they embraced Jesus, they were abandoned by their family and friends. So they had a lot of pressure. You read about it in the last part of chapter 10 and a lot of isolation. It was getting to them. The price they were paying was feeling pretty high. They were thinking about abandoning ship. What does Paul do? He looks back and says, everything that happened back there under the Old Testament that you were taught about in your former life was true, but that's about to come to an end and you're going to go back to an empty, swept and garnished house that has nothing in it for you. Stay in the ship with Jesus, Hebrews. It's easy when pressure comes to look for the relief valve and escape. Before you take that step, take a serious look at what's outside the boat. You want to go in those waves all by yourself, alone, without a ship, without Jesus? I'd rather stay in the storm, with, in the ship with Jesus than the alternative. 
the alternative is not an option, right? In John's gospel, when many of the disciples, they are called disciples by inspired scripture. We can't say, well, they were only pretend children of God. They weren't real. No, scripture says they were disciples, but they saw the price and decided it was too high. And say, they said, this is a hard saying. Jesus taught election and salvation, all of God. This is too much for us to embrace. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? They went away. They forsook Jesus. It wasn't a, a little hoedown preacher in Bellflower, California. They forsook Jesus and his preaching and walked away. And Jesus turns to the twelve. Would you also go away? You going to join them? You want to go too? I love the answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You're the answer. We don't have an answer anywhere else. I'd love a passage in the book of Hebrews that after describing Jesus as God, the very stamped, express, exact image of God in human flesh purged our sins and went back to glory and assumed the glory he had before he came in heaven. Greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than Levi, Levi, greater than any sacrifice offered in the Old Testament. Greater than them all. And in underscoring that truth, Paul writes an incredible truth. Wherefore, for good reason, he's just explained it. He is, he is able to save them unto the uttermost who come unto God. What's the next two words? By him. You don't come to God by your faith, by your good works, by your baptism, by your obedience. If you come to Jesus, it's by him you came to him. And he's able not to enable you to save yourself. He's able to save you. He brought you to Jesus by himself. He's able to keep you in the storms of life. You have faith in Jesus when the calm is in your life. When everything is coming up roses. Understand the lesson. Your faith in him when the storms hit is just as solid as it was when there was no storm. Stay in the ship with Jesus. Spend daily time with his word. Learn what he taught. How he taught us to face the difficulties and trials and pressures and tensions of life and try to apply them in your times of trial and your seasons of distress and pressure. You'll never be in that boat alone. Never. Stay in the boat. 